Welcome to the Hustle is Real podcast. I'm Natasha. And I'm Elo. And this is our April edition in lockdown. So it's not going to be, uh, there's never going to be another one like this, is there, babe? No, there isn't going to be another one like this. So uh, big pat on the back for us, I think, so far. Yes, we're <laughs> going. And uh, we haven't let the technology defeat us, have we? So. No, we, we have overcome. We have <laughs> overcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a process it's a process so really excited because um this episode we've uh, already recorded with our guests and this is sort of the intro to it that i can tell you is going to be amazing um we've actually had to do it in two parts it was it was that good um so um please listen up share it widely i think all of us in our community as you know black women living in the uk we're roughly aged, and I need to rough sort of guesstimate age between 40 and I guess 60. I guess that's the age range that we're appealing to. Obviously, if you're younger and older. And, and things- I'll go down to 30s, yeah, because they'll soon be 40. So, you know, we, we, we scrape them up too. In it, in it. Everyone's welcome. And I think it will, it will really resonate with, with everyone. It really has been, been, been amazing. Um, and what, so, so, so. Okay, it's, it's amazing. I think for me, it's 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 one of my favorite podcasts so far. It was it was um, emotional, insightful, intriguing, um, informative, and uh, and and touching as well. So, um, what what can people expect um, in this in this episode, babe? Yeah, it's a good question. So, really, again, I'm trying to get my head around what what do we call it? So. Is, is really around mental health, is, uh, is, is looking after ourselves. And one of the things our, our guest, Dr. Shade, said was that obviously we've got our physical health, mental health, stuff that we've always talked about, and, you know, our relationships, social, economic health, family, finances, and all of that. So this is just making sure that we're looking after our minds and our thinking, which impacts our behavior. Um, but I think the thing I loved about it is that the first half sort of explores our health. And then the second path explores how we get healthy. Yeah. But but why does it, why, why should we care? You know, why should I listen to a podcast about mental health? Isn't it gonna, isn't it gonna be depressing? You know, what 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 has it got to do with me? And I'm and I'm I'm kind of saying that as someone who is a little bit skeptical and thinking, do you know what I'm gonna switch this off? So why is it important? Why is it important now? Why have we done this now? I think the podcast that we had with Clara, so that was our episode one after the pilot, we started to explore ourselves as a, a sort of generation uh, where we had our mothers who were just strong and swept everything under the carpet. Yeah. But our, the younger generation coming through who begin to understand the importance of our mental health. And I think for me, the reason why everyone should listen is because we are going on this journey of learning exactly what you've asked. What is it? And I think people should listen to find out and understand what do we refer to as mental health? That's been a journey for us, babe, listening to Dr. Shade in this podcast. What is it? How do we recognize how healthy we are? So I'm not going to say to everyone now that I can define it now. I'm saying to everyone, listen to yeah. what it is. Yeah. 
go on this journey with us to understand what, what is mental health? Why is it important? And at the last in part two, how do we stay healthy? Yeah. Mentally healthy. I think that that's so, so important. So I think it's joining us on this journey of understanding what mental health is. And yeah. I will encourage everyone. Yeah. Just, just, just trust us, you know, trust us. Let me listen to our voices, you know, they're, they're trustworthy voices. We haven't let you down so far. And um, we know this content is going to be, um, be a blessing for you in, in this, this season of uncertainty yeah. and this season of being locked down and, and being in, 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 in closed situations. And um, it will, it will, it, it, it will, it will help you to, to just to navigate and to come to terms and, and to begin to move forward um, together. So, so yeah. And, and I think we'll your feedback, we want to know, yeah. you know, like, share, follow, obviously, but also, um, you know, let us know on Instagram what your thoughts are. And um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the most important thing, like you said, babe, it's, it's a journey, isn't it? We're learning about ourselves. Uh, really so yeah come on this journey with us and and Dr Sade is um I mean I met her on the podcast briefly met her the day before introductory and and you know she's someone that Ello's known for years but I've adopted her um she's that much of a of a love she you know she's not just an expert in her field she is a human being she's a person who is touched who has been touched you know, with, with trials and, and, and challenges of life and, and is a black woman who is, um, who is not just, in my eyes, successfully navigated herself to, to where she is now, but in her own humble words, is saying she's still not finished yet. Um, so, yeah, so I've, I've fallen in love with her and I, I, hope you, uh, I hope you do in some way. And, um, yeah, in, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Yeah, see you on the other side. All right, ciao. That's a woman. We're back on the other side now. The exciting bit. Yes. And it's going to be fabulous. I can feel it in my bones because we've got Dr. Shade with us today. And um, it's just such an honor and a pleasure to have you on board, Shade. Yes. So much. Hi, Dr. Shade. Hi. Why are you all the titles? (laughs) (laughs) Ella, don't, don't start with all that title stuff. But yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, it's been a long time coming. I've really wanted to be here. And yeah, we're here. Here. But before we start, though, before we start, is on, you know, as, as usual, completely unscripted. So, um, Shadi, I'll take off the doctor bit, but you could tell she's a doctor and she's one of our frontline NHS workers. So, babe, can we give her a clap? We have to, we have to do it. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All of this stuff daily, daily, going in every day. You know, I'm at home sort of saying, oh, go, what am I going to do today? And you're having to go into work to face all of that danger. So, you know, enough respect to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I guess we do what we do. Um, I think one of the things about life is that when you're thrown in at the deep end and you have to do something, you kind of just just get on and do it. And I have to say that um, working in the NHS, everybody's pulling together. It's not just the doctors or the nurses, the yeah. cleaners, the porters, everybody's pulling together. So for example, I mean, I'm a psychiatrist, but a girlfriend of mine is an anesthetist and she was saying how they've taught the porters to be able to um, 
turn people over when they have to go into theatre before they're put on ventilators. And you can see that everybody just wants to help. And clearly, as we said, you know, um, save lives and protect the NHS. And it's not just a cliche. You know, we do what we do. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, what actually strikes me is the fact that, you know, I go to Tesco and to buy whatever, a loaf of bread, whatever. And I'm walking into Tesco, I'm petrified. I'm, you know, where's my hand sanitizer? I get home, should I wipe the bread? I'm only going to Tesco, you know. So for you guys to go into the hospital facing all of this, I cannot even begin to imagine what it's like. So I think the rest of us, you know, we are in, in awe. So thank you so, so, so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's sink or swim. I think there are moments when we're scared. Um, I can think of a particular case where I had to go and see a patient of mine at home and he was recovering from COVID. Um, and you do momentarily think, oh, goodness, I'm going in here. But like I said, you do what you do. I mean, in the moment, you, you, it's kind of like, isn't it? I can't swim. <laughs> but those who swim, isn't it? You, you, or riding a bike. Yeah, I can ride a bike. Um, once you get on the bike, you just automatically pedal, don't you? And keep your balance and do what you need to do. And maybe when you get off after, you're thinking, you know, but in the moment, everybody's just doing what they're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you're just testament to human nature, isn't it? Where, yeah, yeah. Survivors, aren't we, as humans? Yeah. 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 Um, um, so I was thinking last night, I was lying down last night thinking of a title <laughs> for this podcast because obviously I'm going to put a title to it to sort of sum up the, the conversation that we're, we're going to have. And, you know, when we had a house party call, uh, which I did at the weekend, something you said really struck me. And I think that sort of sets the tone for this conversation that we want to sort of talk about uh, mental health uh, and how we're dealing with this whole lockdown situation. And obviously we've got to contend with what's coming up in the future. And you said something that there is mental illness where, you know, you have a mental illness and you're unwell. And I always equate that to being physically unwell. Like, I, I, you know, I have, a, I have a headache or, you know, I've broken my leg or whatever. And there's my physical health, which is just eating properly and exercising properly. So for today's podcast, we want to shape it around mental health and just, you know, having a conversation around how we are doing with respect to our mental health through this period and beyond. Um, babe, do you want to add anything to that? Is that roughly where we're going with this conversation? Yeah, I think just to probably take a, a couple of steps back, just to kind of reintroduce, um, reintroduce Sade. Um, Sade, tell us a bit about your your background, really, and your and your expertise, because that will kind of help to give some context um, and really explain where where we're going to be delving, really. So yeah, so, so to, to talk us through a bit for your career and how you got into what you're doing now. And it's a good point. I think yeah. no, Sade, I just assume everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so, the thing about me, I like to go deep. You see, I, I like, know. I like to go okay. Deep. Yeah. Okay. I think my first foray with mental health actually started with me as a teenager. So given a bit of background, I was born in England. My parents are Nigerian. And um, I had to go back to Nigeria when I was just close to 11 years old. 
And it was really very stressful because I spent my whole childhood with one set of foster parents. So just putting in context, I'm a child of the 60s. And for whatever reason, my parents' generation, they would come to the United Kingdom and they would study. And many of us ended up with foster parents. And it wasn't because we there was abuse at home or anything. It was their form of childcare. And I think it was a combination of thinking that, okay, if we're with foster parents and the foster parents are good, we'll be well taken care of, we'll assimilate into the culture, et cetera, et cetera. I was one of the lucky ones because I've got some friends who moved around a bit, but my English parents are my parents. They've passed on now. And I stayed with them throughout my childhood. Okay. Um, I spent limited time actually with my biological parents. So going back to Nigeria was a real culture shock. There is nothing wrong with Nigeria. I actually quite like Nigeria, though it's very different from England. But at that point in time, I hadn't ever really lived with my parents for any length of time since I was yeah. seven months old and I was almost 11. I didn't speak the lingo. I had no understanding of the food. I had no understanding of the culture. Um, and so I was just like a fish out of water. It was very, very stressful. And, you know, no disrespect to my parents, but, you know, mental health, mental illness. I don't think that's a concept that most Nigerian parents of my parents' generation had. You know, um, and I found the um, is it integration or adapting to a new lifestyle yeah. really difficult. Yeah, and I think with twenty twenty vision now and being a psychiatrist, I think I probably had my first bout of depression when I was about fourteen. But I wouldn't have been able to have called it that, and it was a reaction to just finding everything really difficult. Then you fast forward to me getting to uni, and again another cultural thing. My father had decided he wanted his first child, which I am, to be a doctor. And the African culture is such that, at least back in the day, you didn't really have a choice. And that created a lot of conflict for me because I actually wasn't sure I wanted to study medicine and I would have preferred to come back to live in England and I ended up going to university in Nigeria. So I think the combination of not being sure what I wanted to do meant that I had another bout of, looking back now, a couple of bouts of um, depression in uni, but I didn't know that what it was. I just knew I was really struggling. And then I got into a little way into medicine and I encountered psychology. And then I did a post in psychiatry. And I have to say that it kind of answered a lot of my problems in terms of a lot of my questions about why I was the way I was and why I was struggling. And I just suddenly thought, yeah, I actually really want to do this medicine, but I'm going to do psychiatry have to say that it was not a popular option. My friend said, you're going to be as mad as your patient, Shade. My father said, why can't you be like your uncle who's a surgeon? So there's a whole backstop to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I ended up in psychiatry. Um, I work now for many, many years, about 15 years now in the extreme end of psychiatry. I work in forensic psychiatry. So realistically, the day job is working with people who have mental health difficulties who also offend and pose a serious risk to the public. Okay. Um, so, so that's the main thing. I also train. So I'm now in a position where I also tra train junior doctors and oversee training. So that's the other bit. And then I lecture, you know, so wow. again, men mental health. So that's, that's me. And then probably the most important thing is that I call myself a patient by experience because, of course, I have battled with depression in the past. So I've got all these can I say, um, qualifications and training, et cetera. But I think sometimes the, the, the person who's really the expert is the person who's battled with mental health. Yeah. So that's me. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. That's so... Yeah. So, and I'm just watching you, just looking at you on the video, mm -hmm. just saying, you know, 
you know, when you went into, you know, the uni and, you know, I do this and, and, and you're saying it so, so matter of factly, like, yeah, you know, I train and I, and I deal with these people and I do a bit of this and, you know, you have two, you know, grown beautiful daughters as well. So, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, you know, what you've achieved and, and what you dedicate yourself to doing yeah. is, is, you know, if I could hug you through the screen, I would. Thank you. I've kind of glossed over it while alluding to the depression. It was very, very, very difficult. Yeah. Relocating to Nigeria, not having had that much of a relationship with either of my parents prior to that was incredibly difficult. And I think that's what triggered my own mental health difficulties, not understanding the culture, being separated abruptly. My, My foster parents were actually the only family I'd ever known. And suddenly I was thousands of miles away. When, when we were taken back to Nigeria, the added twist was that our parents didn't tell us they were taking us back to Nigeria. So we were literally snatched, kidnapped and taken yeah. to Nigeria. And I didn't see, get to see my foster parents for another four years. Yeah. So um, I can't begin to verbalize how challenging it was. And it was challenging. Um, yeah. The earlier years of um, med school were also difficult just because I wasn't sure I wanted to be there. Um, so even though I had the academic ability, you're not really putting in your best effort when you don't really want to be there. So things only really t- um, became, I won't say easier because medicine, study medicine is not easy, but it only all started to make sense when I came to the realization that I'm not in now because of my dad or my dad do this. I just want to add, you know, but if you wanted to go in deep, we've gone in deep now, haven't we? So- yeah. I'm just sitting listening all and just a couple of things I, I wanted to, to, to add on there. And I'm going to try and link the two things together. So as you know, babe, I've been mentioning, I've been doing this as a series with, with Oprah, a sort of meditation series with Oprah. And today's, um, um, uh, what she was talking about is the child within us and, and something that she's done in the past with when she sort of was running uh, the Oprah Winfrey show, whereby it, the audience, you had to go back to your childhood and look through a window in your house, sort of an imaginary, go back into your childhood, visualize your house and look through that window and try and understand that child because that child stays with us. And I sat there, you know, trying to do this meditation and, you know, we moved house. So I'm trying to decide which window to look back <laughs> to decide, but it's, absolutely amazing. And I think for for those of us who are here living in England with that sort of background, for us to be able to start to understand that, for us to move forward, we have to go back and we have to understand some of those things that happened to us in our childhood who have formed the people we are today. And if you want to break any um, um, difficulties, challenges, things holding you back until you understand that child in you, and some of the ways in which we behave, we are not able to, to move forward. And the second thing linking the two things is that I wanted to mention about Shade as well, is that Shade is also a woman who is grounded in her spirituality as well. So it's important that I, I always have a little bit of a, a conflict trying to sort of understand my childhood, understand why I behave in certain ways and relating that to my spiritual side and making sure that you know, I'm a Christian and, and grounding that in, in faith as well. So there, there, there are different aspects to this that um, 
I think, Shade, you bring to the table because you've had these experiences, you're grounded in your Christian beliefs, and yet you are able to sort of say, this is who I am and I'm, I'm moving forward. So I don't know, bring those pieces together if you can, Shade, from your own perspective. I think, as you said, Ella, it's really important for all of us as women to understand where we're coming from. I think that if you don't understand where you're coming from, you can't understand where you're where you're at right now, and you can't really have a clear picture of where you want to go. And for me, I had to understand. I mean, I'm I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be real here. You know, one of the things I really struggled with as I was growing up was around insecurity and feeling insecure. And if you can take into consideration, I did a fast forward, but actually the first time my parents snatched us and took us to Nigeria, I was eight years old. And then we stayed for three months and didn't settle. And my dad asked my mom to bring us back and said, look, they're not settling. I want them to be happy and brought them. And, and we were brought back. And then we lived with our foster parents for another two, three years. And then apparently, so I'm be made to understand that a lot of foster parents started going to court and saying that kids have been abandoned by their biological parents and that kind of stuff. And my father was like, well, that's not what I did. I love my children. I thought they were happy in England. I sent them back. And so my mother got tasked again with coming to take us back. So you can imagine that when you're in that kind of background where you, you've been snatched from everything that you're comfortable with, you have a sense of fear and uncertainty and you, 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 you crave security. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is about being understood. Now, I was the only, you know, the only black kid in the village kind of thing. I grew up on Canby Island. Um, and so, yeah, I was the only black kid and then with my brother. Um, and I think I had a cousin who lived on the other side of Canby. Um, Canby has evolved since then. But right then, back then, literally not an exaggeration, there were just the three of us. Um, and then I come to Nigeria and I'm the girl who's at that point had a really strong Essex accent and I was very English in my thinking. I mean, what else would I be? I grew up with white yeah. people and I'm suddenly in the midst of, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm in Nigeria and it's all, it's all very different. Um, and that created issues around my identity about who am I? Um, yeah. And, you know, you go through realizing that you, you want to fit in. And I think even if you didn't get transplanted like I did. I think teenagers want to fit in, don't they? Yeah. With their peers. But hey, I don't even understand how these people think. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're dealing with all of that. And so, yeah, I've, I've been on a, a real journey. And for me to be where I am now, which is, I've still got work to do on me, but I, I'm definitely more comfortable with me now in my mid-50s than I was in my 20s all my 30s, all my 40s. And part of it, as, I, as you've highlighted earlier, was going back to my childhood and trying to understand why I became the person I was and, yeah. and what the root causes were of some of my challenges. Yeah, yeah. I'll link that to your Christian faith. I think my Christian faith, for me, I'm, I'm, I am going to quote a scripture while I'm not trying to bash people over the head with the Bible. There's a particular scripture that says that everything works for your good um, if, if, if you're loved by God. And so it doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is good. No, lots of things that happen to us are really bad. But I've got this belief that if I let, if I learn, if I grow, then even the thing that haven't been very nice and you know my story you know there was domestic violence good can come out of it so people say I, I don't think I'm the brainiest doctor you're ever going to meet but I do know that 
I, I can empathize, I can connect with a lot of my patients because sometimes I feel like the experiences they've had, unbeknown to them, I probably understand them more or I understand those experiences. And I'm aware that some of my friends have never had those experiences. If, does that make sense? It does. So, so and, and, but at the, at the same time, I believe that my faith and my growth and the people that God has brought along my way, along the way, have helped me to be standing now. So I can use those not so nice experiences and kind of support other people and help them because I kind of have an experiential understanding of what it's like to be mentally ill, to experience domestic abuse, to be homeless, to be as broke as a church rat, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think... Can I ask a question, actually? So could we talk about mental health a lot? And I think, you know, when you were talking about different stages of life, sometimes I think, you know, is it just life? Is it just life that maybe as children or as, as teenagers that we, that, that we feel unsure of who we are? Do we have a sense of, you know, or, or is it sometimes our circumstances? Because, you know, I had um, similar challenges growing up and stuff as well. But I just wanted to probably pick up on a whole thing about, about mental health. And it's such a big thing now. Um, it's a big thing at work. You know, I'm, I'm part of a, an employee forum, so we're constantly talking about well-being. But what what does it what does it mean? Because I think when it, when we all hear it, it means different things for different people. Yeah. Uh, it does. It just mean you know I'm having an off day. So do I have poor mental health because I'm having an off day for a day, or because um, you know I'm, I'm feeling frustrated? You know, you know. How do we really define it in a way that? that everyone understands. I'm going to try and stop me if you think I'm not making myself clear. So when I think about health, I, you know, I, I think about the WHO definition of health, which says it's a complete state of physical, mental and social well-being. So when you think of health as a continuum, there are three main aspects, your physical health, your mental health and your social well-being, you know. So we've talked on physical health, isn't it? It's, you know, um, you know, are my lungs working properly? You go to mean, um, is my are my kidneys doing what they need to do? You go to mean, um, are my joints flexible, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or is there a problem? So that's the area of physical health. When you come to mental health, you're thinking about that domain, which is in some ways quite abstract. But you're thinking about your thinking, your emotions, and your behaviour, and they're like a triad. You go to mean, um, your thinking affects your emotions, and your thinking and your emotions affects your behaviour. Yeah. And that is the aspect of you that we're thinking of when we're thinking about mental health. And really, um, it's about keeping all of those in equilibrium. So coming back to if I have an off day, um, if something not very nice happens to me, I will have an off day. That's a normal reaction. Just like if you hit my hand right now, I'm going to feel some pain. But the pain just tells me that there's something the matter and I need to respond to it. So if um, you hit me or, for example, like touch something hot and I felt the pain, what do you do? You kind of withdraw. That's, and that's how you ease the pain, etc. The same thing, if I have an off day and I've got difficult emotions, it's kind of just like that pain thing, isn't it? It's about letting me know that, oh, something wasn't quite right today. And hopefully then I, I go back to address it so that once again, I, I go back into being like an equilibrium, I beg your pardon, you know, everything's steady state. 
And yeah. the, the challenge becomes is that, especially in this generation, most of us now have reached a stage where we're really focused on looking after our physical health. You get what I mean? You know, we, we do the exercise and we eat the right things, et cetera, et cetera. And most of us don't think about, you know, well, I need to think about my thinking. I need to look, th- look after my thinking. You know, I need to safeguard my emotions. Um, and if I don't, it's going to impact on my behavior or the other way around. We, we don't, don't and, and I guess from an, you know, an Afri- African, Afro-Caribbean background, we're just historically, maybe things are getting better now, we've historically not really focused too much on emotions. You get what I mean? It's yeah. very much being a case of pull yourself together if something doesn't happen the way you want it or you feel down or low. Yeah. So we, we've not really ever focused on mental health per se as a concept in the yeah. same way that we seem to do with physical health. And yet, if you look at that dev- definition, you know, it's physical health, it's mental health and social well-being. So if something's not right in one of those areas, invariably it will impact on the others and your health is not that great. I'm just conscious that we're just looking at you, just nodding. I mean, our, our listeners cannot see us. Just, <laughs> <laughs> very, in- very intently. <laughs> very intently. <laughs> Well, that's not helping anyone who is listening, is it? <laughs> no, no, this is this is this is amazing. And just to complete that, uh, the third bit, the social economic side of things. What does that mean? So we can get. So we're, we're thinking about how much money you have. You get what I mean. So, for example, I think of times. You know that you know when I became homeless, I had nowhere to live, and I lived with a friend of ours, Olivia, and you used to help me look after my kids and everything back in the day. Clearly, that was a very difficult um, social circumstance. So when we're looking at the social side of things, it's, you know, those, the, the social aspects of things. So, you know, where you live and how much money you have and whether you've got friends or family or not, as the case may be, whether your social environment is toxic or it promotes the other bits. And that's, that's what we mean. So, you know, all those, those things, you know, your, your relationships, you know, whether it's at home or at work and right. et cetera. Right, right, right. How do you know if your your mental health is is okay, is is well, and and how do you know it's not well? Ooh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to. Like, to what so I want to do. I don't know if I can bring it up, but there's. I have this kind of like. It's just like you know when you go to a, a, a GP. Yeah. And they have all these like um, checklists about, you know, so when you think of physical health, you think about your blood pressure and you think about your blood glucose levels and those kind of things, depending what the numbers are, will kind of tell you, okay, I'm in good health or I'm in not so good health. Yeah. I have this checklist, which unfortunately I can't show everybody, but it's on, on, it's on, it's on the internet. And basically if I can fi- find it out and yeah. it's kind of like a score of one to 300 and essentially it, it, it what, what, what this test does is it allows you to check yourself out and it's simple things about, you know, and it gives a score for life events, um, such as, you know, um, divorce or whether you've not been feeling well or if you're short of money or whatever and it comes up with a score and basically based on that score it allows you to know whether you're really mentally healthy or whether there's some things you need to tweak or whether you need to cry out for help what I'm going to try and do as we're talking is see if I can 
bring it up so I can actually say the name so that people listening can just go on, on online and do it themselves because it's a self-assessment thing and it, and it allows you to know, you know, whether you're okay or whether um, there are things you need to work on. Wow. So let's keep talking that. and I'll try and find the exact name of the test. <laughs> it's interesting that you said that because, you know, sometimes intrinsically, I think, you know, you kind of know, like, mm, you know, I'm like, mm, I'm, 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 you know, I'm going a certain way. But you know, but you don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? Because yeah. like, when you go to the doctor, you can, you can know I'm not feeling good. Yeah. You, you go to him, you make an appointment, you go in and then he'll do the test to say, yes. You're not yep. feeling good because of this, this, and this. With mental, of all the years that I've lived, I've never, you know, I, di- I didn't know about this thing where you could look at a checklist. Yeah. No, not just intrinsically, but no, because yeah, it's an assessment, sort of, you know? It is, it is an assessment. So I'm going to try, as we're talking, try and see, because I was looking at it the other day for something completely different and see whether I can actually find it and talk about specifically about some of the elements. And some of them that you think, well, is that, is that, could that impact on my mental health? Is actually something nice, like Christmas <laughs> yeah. or birthdays or weddings, you know, yeah. but they all have the score. And I think while you're, you're sort of, you know, getting the, the, the document out, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. going back and just thinking through the three aspects of mental health that you talked about. So it is um, my thinking, then yeah. my emotions, yeah. my behavior. Yes. I'm thinking of myself today, you're asking me, Shade, how was my day today? Mm-hmm. I woke up thinking, oh my God, I don't have a lot to do. Mm-hmm. So my emotions now start to get a little bit of a drag and I'm not bouncy and hopping up and down. And then my behavior is eating biscuits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then that goes back to affecting my thinking. <laughs> Yeah, and my behavior, and it's a downward spiral. And before, by the end of the day, you know, I usually try and exercise. I'm now I can't struggle, so my behaviors. I'm now struggling to exercise, which is mm-hmm. me, making me feel even worse. So I think that those three things. I'm going to remember that my thinking, my emotions, and then there comes my behavior. My behavior yeah. to reflect. You know, or sometimes it's the other way around is that your behavior then impacts on your thinking, then impacts on your emotions. So one of the things I have to be very careful about is it's nice to slob around. And I'm one of those people, you saw me on Sunday, shock horror, <laughs> when I really hadn't even crawled out of bed. And that's okay a day or two. But for me personally, it might be for, not for everybody, but for me, yeah. if I do that too long, I can, see, I can feel my mood slipping. Yeah. So I found this test and it's online and it's free and it's called the life stress test. And it basically says, so it has a little thing at the top. It says in the past 12 to 24 months, which of the fully major life stress events have taken place in your life? And it starts off, it it ranges from a score of a hundred all the way down to 11. So the stressor that is supposed to be the most stressful thing that anybody can experience is the death of their partner. And that's scored as a hundred. Um, divorce is scored at 73 and it goes down and there are different things like marriage, getting married, getting fired from work and marital reconciliation. And they all have different scores. And then what you do is you judge it yourself. And then it says, um, and the maximum score you can get when you touch everything up is 300. Oh, well, 
is 300 and above. So it says, when you add up the score, 0 to 149 says low susceptibility to stress-related illness. So basically, you're in a good state in terms of your mental health. So it doesn't mean that there aren't things that are affecting it, but you're coping well and you're fine. There's nothing really you have to major to do, just maintain it. If you score between 150 and 299, you have a medium susceptibility to becoming mentally unwell. And it says, some of the things they say is learn and practice relaxation and stress management skills and a healthy lifestyle. And then if you score 300 and over, it says you are really stressed. And unless you start doing something actively, you're going to tip into serious mental illness. That's it. So basically, it's basically saying, so if, for example, in the last 12 months, mm-hmm. I got fired from work, mm-hmm. um, it means that I need, I'm more susceptible to being, I can't say the word, to being mm-hmm. mentally un- unwell. Now, if I tell myself a billion times, I'm fine, I'm fine, <laughs> you know, deceiving myself. I really sort of say to myself, you just got fired you know, last week. Yeah. Well, it, will, it, it would depend, won't it? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, remember that there are like, I can't remember how many there are. There, there are a number of things. There are like 20 different items. So you're getting fired from work is stressful. Yeah. But then it depends on your other circumstances. So I'm thinking about now in COVID where some people can't work yeah. Because, you know, they just can't work because of the COVID situation. Um, now, your response to that or somebody's response to that would be different depending on their financial situation, isn't it? So if you are married to somebody or have a partner, for example, who has a good income and he can kind of support you during that period. Well, it's not great that you're not going to work, but you've got somebody you can rely on. I, I was thinking the other day, I'm thinking, well, at the moment... Even if I wasn't working, both my daughters are working. You know what I mean? And they would happily, you know, support me, which is completely different from somebody who suddenly woke up when Boris made that announcement and their job is such that they can't work. They're in a zero zero hours contract. Um, They've got no savings and they've got nobody who can bail them out. Clearly, the same scenario, they've lost their job, but one person can just put their feet up and say, well, you know what, I'm going to take it as a holiday for the next you know, two, three months because my partner's a millionaire and, you know, I've got loads of savings in the bank, et cetera. Or, and another person would think, oh my God, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this week. I, I don't know whether I'm going to pay my bills. You get what I mean? I so context of other, other... It's a context, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, that's, that's wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So bearing in mind that we are in lockdown and we're going through this pandemic... Um, sort of to Tasha's question, I mean, really we wanted to have this co- conversation in context of where we are today. So I think it would be quite useful. I don't know whether, like you said, it's online and it's free. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's something that we should all be doing to really ask ourselves some pressing questions as to how we are coping in this season. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the reality is... is some people are more reflective than others, you know. Um, I've heard a lot of people that I come into contact with saying, well, um, this lockdown is difficult because they're not used to sitting still. They're not used to being with themselves. So the money side of things is an important aspect for a lot of people. 
as you would expect it to be. But for some people, it's more than that. It's about the fact that they've used activity as a coping strategy to kind of distance themselves from themselves. You know, you, 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 <laughs> you, 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 you're on the hamster wheel, you know, 24-7. And by the time you get off and you fall into bed, you have no time to think. And then you just continue. And I'm kind of one of those people as well. Um, or I can be. It depends. I flip. Sometimes I can go the other way and be too reflective and take myself to some really dark places. But many of us, we've just used that as our coping strategy. You know what I mean? To kind of distance ourselves from uncomfortable feelings, just like some people use alcohol, just like some people use drugs, just like some people use sex, just like some people use gambling. You know what I mean? We've all got all these various coping mechanisms that we use about, I don't want to think too deeply. I don't want to get too deep using Tashi's words. And then suddenly we're all stuck at home, or most people are, um, and one can't go out, even if one wants to. Um, one can't be as active as one would want to, no matter how you, I, I don't I don't care how you frame it at the moment. You know what I mean? If you're at home all day, every day, there's only so much activity. And suddenly you're forced to be with you. And some of us... So can I ask a question then? If you was to add COVID onto that list, you know, that list. Do yeah. You, would, you, would, would it be up? Would it, where, where on that list would, would that be? I think COVID would be pretty high up for a lot of people. It's interesting because, again, it's about perspective, isn't it? So I saw somebody paste on Facebook yesterday. This is a guy who, as far as we know, in the public domain, he's happily married. He's married for 30 years. And I'm sure they're quite honest in saying that there were periods when they really struggled and everything. But they've now crossed 30 years and they're quite comfortable in each other's company and they understand each other. And he was saying that, well, I'm not really an extrovert anyway. I, in fact, COVID has, has even been good because I don't have to go out too much. I'm enjoying being at home with my wife and my kids. So for him, COVID has just been a legitimate reason to slow down and he's enjoying it. And I responded and said, oh, that's great for you. Um, but please remember that for some people, the thought of being all, at home all day, every day with a partner or with their kids or their mother or whoever is just a nightmare. You get what I mean? That the being busy and not being at home or lots of activities and being the coping strategy. And all of a sudden you're sitting in a house with this person that you don't really like that much, if we're being honest. Or even more importantly, you've been running away from yourself through all this activity and suddenly it's all gone and you're, and you're stuck with you. The you that you don't really like. The you that has difficult memories. Um the you that would rather forget about some of the difficulties from, you know, five years ago, whatever. And there's no hiding place. I think COVID potentially, when you put it in context, has put many people in a very vulnerable situation. And um, um, what would you, I'm just, I've just realised that my, my mic was on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> So I hope I hope this thing is recording. <laughs> oh, I do. Oh. I do. <laughs> I do. Say, <laughs> Miss AK. Yeah, I've set it all up. I'm all organized, ready to go. And I said, oh, just I just I just thought, what's that on my lap? <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, so. In in context, so, so obviously in this, like you said, uh, Jade, they're going to be different people. So there are people who are 
like yourself out there working, facing the stress, going out to deal with this every day. There are people who are at home with people that they don't necessarily want to be. There are people who are at home on their own, you know, who have never, you know, loneliness is, is also a thing. Uh, who are perhaps, you know, facing some sort of abuse or, or the other. Um, so there's a whole range, you know, of, of people who are, you know, going to be needing to examine how they're dealing with this. Um, I, I know Tashi sent, you know, sort of put some questions to you, but what would, what would you, I, I don't know whether to use the word advice, what would you say to, to, to that range of, of people? I, I think the first thing that any of us have to do when we're in a situation is to try, and it's really difficult, but to appraise the situation realistically, you know, and to appraise where they fall in that situation. Because I would say that the, the starting of a solution to any challenge in life is to undertake an, an honest appraisal and kind of try and accept the reality of what the situation is. I think sometimes um, the reason why things become even more complex than they could possibly be is because we've not taken time to step back and appraise. Um, so can I just butt in there a bit, Charlotte? So do you think that is because, so why wouldn't someone be able to, I mean, even the word appraise is like, it's a big word, but is it? could it be because you know, we find ourselves in survival mode. So, you know, for the first few weeks, we were all thrust into this change, just like what you described that you went through when you were young, you know, just this, this, this sudden change of, you know, removal of, of your freedom, you know, of your, of your way of, you know, of your sense of purpose, you know, for those who, you know, who work. Um, and being thrust into a mode of simply, we all have to protect ourselves from this, this enemy, this unknown thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, I was just thinking today when I was driving home about the, what, what they call it, the master's hierarchy of need. And if you remember, it's got like five layers and at the bottom are the sleeping, eating, no shelter, etc. And that hierarchy, isn't it? It says that basically unless the lower level needs are met, you haven't got time to think about the higher things, about the great aspirations. And you're quite right. You know, when, when a storm hits, most of us go into survival mode and we keep on going in survival mode because that's the only way to survive. However, and that's important, sometimes it's appropriate that you start off in survival mode. However, um, sometimes the strategies that you're using in survival mode, they're okay for the short term, but they're not going to carry you through the long term. And that's what I talk about appraisal, because it could be that the strategies that you're using now for the short term are wonderful, you know, for some people, again, because we all respond differently. And some people, their strategy for coping now are going to take them for the duration. I think the COVID, I mean, I don't think we're going to be on lockdown forever and ever, but I think that the, the presence of COVID is not going to suddenly disappear. And I think it is going to be a marathon rather than a sprint. And although I'm not an athlete, I kind of understand from listening to athletes that the techniques that you use for a sprint are very different from the techniques that you use for a marathon. Yeah. And if you interchange those techniques, you're not going to get to the end of the race or you're not going to get to the end of the race in the way you would want to. Yeah. 
So I completely agree with you, Tashi, that, you know, for most of us, if not all of us, you get what I mean, whether you're the person who had to stay at home or you're a person like me who had to go out, in the initial stages, it's all about survival. You get what I mean? I'm I'm being honest, you know, I kind of, for me personally, wasn't, I I, I get not bombarded, but of course, because I'm a medic. So every day, you know, we're getting updates about, you know, COVID and how to keep ourselves safe and keep everybody else safe. And that's necessary. And after that, I was just switching it off. When I was coming home, I was trying not too much to keep focusing on that because otherwise it's too overwhelming and I can't function. It was literally about you get get home at night, hang out a bit with my daughters and fall into bed and tomorrow's another day. And, and yeah. that's survival, you know. And, and now we're getting to this stadium and thinking, oh, okay. Some of it is quite unhealthy, actually. Need to slow down. So one of mine, for example... Ella's really great, I know, and knew about exercise. And I suddenly woke up and thought, you, you're not exercising, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and, and unlike when I was younger, I, I now do put on weight. This is, this is not healthy, you know. So a sudden realization that, okay, I've been doing the survival mode thing, but now this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. So I'm going to need to adopt some other, some strategies. Some things are good, but some things need to be worked on. And I'm still working it out, by the way. That that's um that that's amazing. Again, um, you know, I like analogies. I like sort of because it, it helps me, you know, uh, mm. rem- remember things. So I'm going to remember this. So if, for example, uh, somebody says, right, hello, it's a 400 or 100 meter sprint, right? Yeah. Immediately on your mark, set, go. You're going to put all your energies into it, and off you go. And you know, you're going to be done in ten mm-hmm. whatever, right? So she mm-hmm. said, it's different strategies. I'm going to do behave differently. Whereas this is a marathon, like you said. So I'm, I cannot go fast and run as if I'm running 100 meters because I'll be done in 200 meters. And then what's going to happen to the rest of the race? So I need to go away and think to myself, right, I'm going to be running for a couple of hours, three hours, whatever. So mm-hmm. I start off really slow. I need water along mm-hmm. the way. me to marathon uh, sprint. I'm not going to take any water along the way. Whereas mm-hmm. I need to drink water, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know so I need to do different Mm -hmm. so I I think that's really really I'm going to think about that you know um because there was this chat that I sent around that we shared we talked about on Sunday Mm -hmm. we initially start off and we we do need to now like you said start to appraise and sort of to say right okay you know we started off everybody was on house party and you know we're buying toilet roll Mm -hmm. (laughs) toilet roll and (laughs) You know, whatever. I wonder why people did. I wonder why people did that with the new paper thing. <laughs> oh, but it's survival, though. It's, it's of that survival instinct. What do I need? And then it goes on to move into sort of acceptance now. So this is where you're now sort of saying, okay, um, you know, we're two or three weeks in. We kind of understand we don't need blue roll anymore. I can talk to my friends and family. I'm not going to listen to the news twenty four seven anymore because that's what we did initially is like what's happening in Italy what's happening there is it here is it there is the cruise ship all of that was all going on um and then you sort of move into that phase where you're right I'm not going to consume the mood and it's it's that 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 graph kind of really articulated the fact that it is a marathon and everyone is in a different place along that journey not everyone's going to complete Hours. Some people will take longer, and but it is still a marathon. So we do need to allow ourselves. Um, well, first of all, we need to understand that it's a marathon, and then we need to allow ourselves um, the um, 
the 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 space to go away and sort of think about strategy. Yeah, again to adopt for this marathon. Yeah. My, my question is is um because I wrote a few questions about this and I think you've answered the first one about what survival mode means. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, just going back to what we've learned today about what mental health is, it's it's your thoughts, it's your emotions, it's your behaviour. Yeah. AKA Lou role. Um, so in survival mode, what is our thinking? How do we know we're in survival mode? What thoughts are we thinking when we're in that mode? Um, and, and, and the emotions that we're thinking, because my, my, not my concern, we would, we would, we would think that after four or so weeks that yes, we're beginning to move into a place of acceptance. So I'm just want to just, just make for, for, you know, for those, for, for, for anyone who's listening, who, who's maybe not, who's still kind of stuck in a mode of, of surviving because they're living on their own. I mean, I, I, you know, I know someone who, who, who literally handed in their notice two weeks before COVID, you know, sorry, left the job two weeks before COVID, you know, we all were all locked down. They've got a mortgage, you know, so it's, so it's like how, what are the thoughts of someone who's, who's in survival mode and how do they get unstuck from that mode to move into accepting? I guess you, you, I, I guess you can't really put a time frame on it. Because I think for different people, survival yeah. mode will be different lengths of time. You get what I mean? And so I, I don't think you can really put a, a, a time frame on it. But I think when you're in survival mode, you're very much stuck in the here and now. It's about how do I survive for today? You know, how do I get the rent paid for today? You know, how do I get food on the table for today? You know, how do I get, you know, the kids, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very much here and now. And I think the going down to, I use the word acceptance lightly, but again, going back to that analogy of a marathon and a sprint, I think that you move into the next stage, however you define it, when you suddenly sit down and realize that, okay, um, this is going to go on for some time and I've got to find a new normal, if that makes sense, and a new normal where touch wood, I'm as physically healthy as I can be. I'm as mentally healthy as I can be. And the social side of things is, you know, as healthy as it can be. And I think it would be different people for different things. But I think, I guess there's a difference between feeling overwhelmed and survival because I think that when you're in the overwhelmed stage, then you're not surviving. You're stressed out, you know. And um, I don't know whether this is a, a, a good time. So we did that checklist um, we kind of had a look about, you know, whether we're overly stressed. But some people may not even realize that they're stressed because they're in survival mode and they haven't had time to stop and think, if that if that makes sense. Okay. And I just wonder whether I could just even for a few minutes just check in with people to find out that do you, do you recognize whether you are actually stressed? Because some people might say, well, what what the heck do you mean when you when you say, oh, you know, the concept of being stressed. So symptoms of stress. So if we remember that we're talking about our mental health and survival, and we talked about our thinking, our behavior and our emotions. So going to our thinking, if you are maybe not surviving actually, um, or just in survival mode and you're quite stressed. So somebody in terms of their thinking, they may have an inability to concentrate. 
they may exercise really poor judgment. Um, I think many people in terms of this stage will be seeing only the negative, um, feeling really anxious, having racing thoughts and constantly worrying. And I would say if you're in that stage, actually you're not even really surviving, you're probably really overwhelmed. And then if you leave the thinking aside and you think about the, the, the mood thing, a lot of people who are struggling at the moment would be really moody, either irritable or short-tempered or agitated and unable to relax. So, you know, we've talked about appraising, but it's very difficult to appraise anything if you can't actually just sit down and be with yourself, feeling really overwhelmed. And I would suggest that many people are still in that stage of just feeling completely overwhelmed with the knock-on effect of COVID, whether it's being restricted at home or the finances or the issues with relationships. And then, as you said, a sense of loneliness and isolation. And, you know, Tasha, you spoke about the person who lives alone and they're physically alone. But I'd like to suggest to you that there are many people who are surrounded by people living, living, you know, with family and they feel alone, even though they're surrounded by people. And I have been in that situation. Um, it's not like a comparison, but I think there's, n- there's nothing worse than feeling alone when you're actually physically surrounded by people. And then just generally feeling really unhappy, you know. And then if we think about the behavior side of things right now, um, eating more or less. So I know I'm a guilty party. My coping strategy is overwork and eating too much. Sleeping too little or too much. Tick. I do that too. Um, isolating myself from others when I'm really struggling. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else feels like that. I, I, I feel like, you know, I've got to survive. I have no energy to be engaging with other people beyond what is the norm. Yeah. So for yeah. me, it would be a case of I'll go to work and I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm somehow able to go into work mode and I'll do my work and I'll talk to people. But outside of that, it's too much energy to relate to anybody. Um, and then maybe not looking after so many people in terms of the behaviors of neglecting themselves, you know, not taking care of themselves. And then we've talked about, you know, using drugs, using alcohol, sometimes people even sex just to, you know, kind of manage those, whatever. And then when we think about physical symptoms and not going to go through the list, but a lot of people when they're overwhelmed and they're not really it's not even survival. They're not really coping very well. And they have a lot of physical symptoms. And the common thing outside of COVID would be going to the doctor and they do a whole battery of tests and your GP says, well, madam, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. We've done this, that and the other. But actually it's a manifestation of, I wouldn't even say survival mode. I would say that you're actually not surviving. So I think there's the overwhelm stage and then there's survival stage. And then if you get beyond that, it's about being able to appraise and then find those you know, coping strategies to move you from survival to thriving. Yeah, and and you know, so again, a couple of things that um, that that struck me while 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 you were sort of speaking. So the first thing, and I'll come back to it, is you know, where do we go for help, especially now that the GP surgeries are not open? But I'll come back to that and and actually just say that potentially, you know, so we've got this chart which says you're sort of, you know, you might be overwhelmed, but you go from survival, you accept it, and then you go into growth. And it all sounds very perfect and, and wonderful. But life is never 
like that, is it? No, no, it's not like that. Okay. I have to I have to say though, just talking about the GP thing, let me answer that, that GPs are open. Um, and what GPs are doing at the moment as a starting point is telephone contacts. Right, right. So you can phone, you can book in and have a telephone consultation with your GP. Right. And then based on the telephone consultation, the GP will then determine what next in terms of whether you need to have contact with somebody face-to-face or whether you can wrap it up. So that's what GPs are routinely doing now. So you can you can contact GPs, yeah. um, but the starting point would be a telephone contact first okay. to determine what's going on. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, bef- you know, I'm quite keen for us to spend a lot of time, you know, um, it's been a great, great, great podcast. I knew it was going to be, ah, uh, because you're just so amazing, uh, Shadi. But anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, so before we get back into what we do, coping strategies and, and things like that, you know, I think it's, there's just something there that, like, like I was saying earlier on, you know, I, I had this chart and I'm feeling that, oh, yes, I kind of accept things. I know where I am. And then actually I'm feeling quite calm. I'm in the growth stage where I know what the future, well, I don't know what the future is going to be. No one does, but I feel like I can cope. And then I sort of have a day like today where I'm back to, back to the biscuits and, and not the size. <laughs> so I think that that's pretty normal that, you know, yeah. there isn't sort of one fantastic, I mean, you're running mm-hmm. there's a fantastic trajectory that we're all going to go on this amazing journey to peace and tranquility and, you know, you know, it's a daily, um, you know, like the Bible says, you've got to renew yourself every day, isn't it? So it's something you've got to wake up every day and actively seek to be mentally healthy. Yeah, I think, you know, um, you, 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 you just quoted the Bible and I'm aware that not everybody, yes. you know, that will be listening to us will have a faith or a Bible or that kind of thing. But those analogies that you do hear in the Bible about a journey, about a race, isn't it? Those are, those are the analogies that you use. So I think the journey from overwhelmed and stressed to, you know, be, I don't think anybody ever t- reaches total health, healing, whatever. I think that's, that's, a, that's a myth. I, and I think that it fluctuates. I think there will be periods when, you know, for all sorts of reasons, you know, life is happy and gay and your physical health is great and you feel wonderful mentally and that could go on for a period and then something like this hits. And it's like Skittles, isn't it? You know, COVID is like that ball that you throw at the Skittles and everybody just went and all fall down kind of thing. So um, I think, I don't think it's a perfect line. I I also think that um, I once heard somebody speak about um, different domains of life and, you know, um, we could split life up into so many domains dependent, but, you know, some people would say, okay, relationships is one domain, um, career is one domain, um, finances is one domain. Um, if you have children, children are one domain. Um, your physical health is one domain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think what most of us will find is that there may be one or two domains where you're pretty okay, you're happy, you're satisfied with where things are. And, and most of us will have a couple of domains where we'll think, oh God, you know, um, there's work to be done in that area. <laughs> you know? And, that, and, that, and that's being real, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it will be different. It'll it'll be different things at, 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 at different times. You know, the reality is is that if you are, for example, in a situation with COVID where you're not quite sure how you're going to pay your mortgage or your rent, yeah, I'd like to present to you that maybe the fact that you 
you, you know, your the emphasis on your physical health is probably not going to be the main emphasis. It's going yeah. to be about, my God, yeah. how do I get this bills paid? So yeah. again, we're still back to that thing about, you know, what's going on for you at any given time. But I don't ever think it's a straight line. I think we we it's it's one of those things where you take maybe two steps forward, another two steps forward, then maybe you take three steps back, then you take two steps forward. And, and it's a gradual journey, isn't it? Yeah. Can I suggest um, that we take a little little break? So we're going to basically clap. <laughs> I'll stop the recording. Um, and um, we start again and uh, come back and just talk about coping, coping strategies um, so that on the other side, because I'm conscious that we've been, been talking for a while now, so just take a little bit of a break and then come back and talk about coping. That's a woman. She. I. Queen. Well, we're back on the other side. <laughs> and usually we sort of spend our third segment looking forward to all the wonderful things we're about to do isn't it babe but uh, since we're in lockdown (laughs) well we might go to some virtual part same old same old same old same old so um Shari it's been great um so far it's actually been more than great it's been amazing um And what we would ask you kindly to do is just to give us some, you know, ideas, hints, strategies as to how, you know, we can cope with with all of this. Um, obviously, everyone is a different place, and I know you're not here to answer individuals' questions, but just, you know, just techniques and strategies that we can we can adopt in our daily lives uh, through this marathon. Yeah. So some of the things I'm going to say are going to sound really simplistic, but you know what, in life, sometimes it's the so-called seemingly simple things that are really beneficial. So with COVID or without COVID, there are certain things that we can do to optimize our mental health, just like there are certain things we should be doing that can't do to optimize our physical health. So the first thing on the list is make sleep a priority. Now, I know that, you know, people, some people I heard, isn't it, Margaret Thatcher apparently um, routinely just slept four hours a day um, and other people need more. But I mean, clinically, the advice is for adults that we sleep seven to nine hours. Um, And the reality is, I don't know about you, but for example, for me, for example, if I've not had enough sleep and I tend not to actually, when I do it over a period of time, I can actually see the impact on my thinking and see the impact on my emotions. And often in a clinical setting, when people say they have difficulty in sleeping, talk about sleep hygiene techniques. So, and it's really important actually, and I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself in this COVID too, if you are at home trying to develop a routine, which will be different from your normal routine of going to work, but having a routine, it's really good for your mental health. So, you know, determining when it comes to sleep about if especially if you're having difficulty sleeping because you're stressed about I go to bed at a particular time so making up your mind that this is the time you go to bed making up your mind that this is the time you get out of bed in the morning even if you haven't slept initially properly during the night and then in terms of what you do before you go to bed so a couple of hours before you go to bed especially if you 
had difficulty in sleeping, just cut out all the caffeine-related drinks, the teas, the coffees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, be mindful of what you're taking in before you go to bed in the hours. So if you're having problems with sleeping, that's not the. It's not a good idea then to sit in front of the news and just have COVID on repeat. Um, listen to something that relaxes you, like relaxing music. Um, if you're somebody who's into meditation, try and meditate. Um, try and you know have a nice bath or a shower. Um, put burn candles. All kinds of things to slow you down and especially for those who have difficulty in sleeping, the first couple of nights you do it, it will be difficult and you'll be tempted to get up. The other thing I, I say is that if you, especially if you have difficulties with sleeping, then your bed and your bedroom need to be associated with sleep and sex. It's, you know, you, you need to switch your phone off and your laptop and everything um, so that your brain gets used to the idea that when I'm in my bedroom, it's sleep or sex. <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> so the first thing is sleep. So I was uh, say, sorry on the sleep uh, thing and the bedroom. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. So basically, you're saying try not to have a telly. Your telly in your bedroom. Try not to eat your dinner or your food in your bedroom. Try mm-hmm. not to work in your bedroom. Is, is yeah. If if you're if you're somebody, of course, if you're somebody who you know the the moment your head t- touches the the pillow, you're fast asleep. No problem. But if you're somebody who's struggles with sleep and especially in this COVID season, then you have to kind of maybe temporarily move the TV out, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Because psychologically your brain will then begin to not associate because the thinking is, is that your brain needs to associate the bed and the bedroom with sleep. Wow. And that you're not supposed to kind of do things that subconsciously activate your brain. So if you're somebody, for example, who tends to like work on your laptop and your laptop is there all opened up, Apart from anything else, if you have difficulty in sleeping, many people will then think, okay, let me just go on social media. Let me check my work emails or whatever it is. And before you know it, you're not sleeping. So those are just some of the techniques that people need to employ. And there's no doubt about it. If you're somebody who's not sleeping properly, it is going to impact on your emotions. It is going to impact on your judgment. It is going to impact on your ability to cope. So... Sorting your sleep is, is, is a really important one. Um, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes people will take sleeping tablets. I think that has to be right at the bottom of the list when everything else doesn't work. And that would always be under the, um, in my opinion, under the supervision of a doctor. And it's not something you want to do long term. Okay. So that's the sleep. Wow. So, so, so I've taken two things away from that. Seven to nine hours. Yep. Which is fine. And the bedroom should be for sleep and sex. Yep. Baby, are you listening? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been like that, actually. I've, I've always been a believer in that, that the bedroom should be, you know, no televisions and food and all this nonsense because um a bit different where I'm living now because, um, you know, I'm working from home and I live with my sister and my nephew who are in the living area. So I kind mm. of... But I have noticed the difference. Whenever I've gone to sleep, it's it, it's been so easy for me to sleep because yeah. my room has been dedicated to that. So yeah. Mm. Well, I want to talk about the other bit. Podcast. We're winding down. <laughs> <laughs> I- 
Well, I can think of a few things that questions that I want to ask about that, but I won't either. (laughs) (laughs) The mind boggles. (laughs) I won't ask the questions. You won't invite me back ever. (laughs) (laughs) Put it that way. I was going anyway. Let me not ask. Let me ask. Hello. Come on, hello, back, back, back. Come on, come on. Okay, sorry, Shadow, you were saying. <laughs> we talked about, so, number one sleep, wasn't it? And we, the, the take-home message is, you know, we've outlined some of the sleep techniques. Second thing is exercise. And in some ways, I feel like, oh, I shouldn't be saying this. You should, because I know you're an exercise guru. But um, exercise, I, I once went to a conference where, the person said that the things that are good for the, for the body are also good, or the things that are good for the heart are also good for the mind, also good for mental health. And nothing ticks that box like exercise. Um, when we exercise regularly, um, it leads to the release of the feel-good neurotransmitters called endorphins, and it triggers a positive feeling in your body. So all of us know that sense, isn't it, about, oh, you're sitting there thinking, oh God, will I exercise? Should I exercise? No, I don't want to. And then you force yourself to. And at the end of it, most times you feel much better. And realistically, if one exercises regularly, it really does lift the mood. That is why actually as a clinician, if somebody's suffering from mild depression, actually you don't prescribe medication, you prescribe exercise. Wow. Exercise. Um, and exercise not only does it help you feel good, feel better, it has a sedative effect. So we've just talked about sleep. Mm-hmm. So when you exercise regularly, it does help you sleep better. Um, and it's been proven to reduce stress. So we're talking about mental health. Exercise does reduce stress when you do it constantly. And it wards off feelings of depression. And it's also known to improve your self-esteem. Of course, you, you know, you're exercising, you finish, you feel good about yourself. Over time, you're going to see positive changes in your body. And as we said, remember, it's all interconnected, isn't it? So yes. Your physical health affects your mental health and vice versa. So when you're doing things that impact positively on your physical health, invariably, you are helping your mental health. So yes, wow. exercise is a big one. Wow, wow, wow. And I'm not as good as you. So I'm kind of reminding myself again that after I jumped on the exercise bike for a few days, I stopped again. And I'm kind of talking to myself about, you know, it's just not for me to look at. For many, for, for many years, my exercise bike was in my bedroom and it became like my clothes hanger. My daughters were so irritated because they actually bought me the cycle. I, I went through a phase of like, God, I've got to lose weight. I've got to lose weight. So they bought me the exercise bike for my birthday. And I just used to, you know, when you get home and you're tired, you just dump the stuff there and, Cleanse your face, and it's like, mom, that's not what it's for. Yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult. I, I must admit. I mean, as as you say, you know, I I love exercising. I I I, I used to go to the gym, you know, before all of this happened, seven days a week, and. Even for me, that loves exercising. I mean, I can I could go for a run. I could cycle. I could. I've got kettlebells at home. You mm-hmm. know, I can do whatever. You know, Zumba classes, whatever. It's still it's still a struggle. You know, I was just saying earlier on how I started off trying to exercise this evening. I think I ate too many biscuits and I just felt, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I am going to try and exercise tonight. But, you know, it, it's still, it is still, it's still a struggle in, in this season. So it's something that I'm forcing myself to do um, now to make sure every day I do some form of exercise. I think the the other thing, uh, Shadi, that... Um, um, I've seen you do as well and also inspired very much by what Yinka has been doing. I encourage everyone to walk. 
Yeah. Even if you don't have a spin bike or you don't have kettlebells or you don't want to run, just go for a walk. Go for yeah. A- yep. Um. So 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 yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's there's great benefit to walking. Um. Depending on how good your physical health is, that's a very safe form of exercise. But especially since most of us are all cooped up, just being able to get out for that 30 minutes and breathe in some air and just see the world instead of the four walls, again, that's going to be good for your mental health. And if you're lucky enough to live in an area where you can take yourself to something scenic, even better. Yeah. Excellent. So we then talked about balanced diet. And again, like I said, you're the exercise guru. But again, I I just want to say that in in terms of COVID, um, being very honest now, there is at the moment no cure for COVID. When people become so ill that they come into hospital, it's mainly about um, managing the um, complications of COVID. And as you know, it's a respiratory infection and it's about managing, you know, fever and trying to keep people breathing. Um, And because in many respects, it's about having a strong immune system to fight it. Now, more than ever before, we all need to think about having a balanced diet so that our immune system is optimum. Um, But in addition, when we don't eat properly, then it does impact on our mood as well. So we're still back to the same thing about the things that are good for the heart are also good for the brain and good for the mind. And when we eat the, the wrong things and our diet is imbalanced, you know, we are increasing the risk of things. So I don't know, many people might not know, for example, that um, a complication of diabetes is actually depression. Okay. So yeah, clinical depression. So um, a lot of times when I'm working with my patients and they've the diabetes is not well controlled. I'm having to remind them that look, it's not just the physical effects of poorly controlled diabetes that you have to think about, you know, your eyes or kidneys or whatever. You also need to remember that if we don't manage this thing, it's going to impact on your mood. So yeah, diet's really important. Like I said, I'm saying things that sound very basic, you know, sleep properly, exercise, eat a balanced diet. But really these are all things that contribute to having and good mental health. And now more than ever in this situation, we need to kind of use those strategies to optimize our mental health. Yeah. The, ne- the next thing um, is fun. Now, yeah, um, it's really, d- for some people, it will be really difficult to have some fun. I'm sure you saw what I did on Facebook last night with my with my daughter. Actually, we actually re- you recorded it. No, we recorded it on Saturday, but posted it last night. You got what I mean? Um, and it was just about the fact that one of the things we're trying to do, um, and I want to credit my daughters, is they're very determined about, okay, so we're at home and they really are at home. You got what I mean? I mean, you know, Grace, she's here, there and everywhere, but she counted that on one period, she didn't step outside the door for 17 days, wow. literally working and doing everything from home. But one of the things that we've determined almost um, organically is we are blessed it's not like that for everybody, but we, we kind of get on well with each other, except when we fight big time as girls do sometimes. But I think we're all aware that that's not going to help. So we're kind of being supportive of each other and we're making time to have fun. So on Saturday, it was literally, I'd um, done my face up because I was um, interviewed for tele- Nigerian television. And then my daughter was like, come on, let's have some fun. Let's, you know, you know, she likes all her recording stuff. And we just said, look, let's do something that's fun and not too heavy. and 
that's what we did, you know. So we're trying to find things. Last night we were doing karaoke at midnight. <laughs> um, and it was just us and um yeah, Karen's boyfriend was here. He's like the extra member of the family kind of thing. You can't hear? Hello. See, I think she's saying you can't hear me. Yes. Hello. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I, I know it's really difficult in this time and depending on your social circumstances, it'd be more difficult than others, but we have to kind of almost be determined to make sure that even in the midst of all of this, we're doing things that we like, that give us pleasure, whether it's music or sharing a laugh with a friend. I know a lot of people be doing house party, et cetera, et cetera. And it is, again, because um, when we have fun, it does improve our mental state. It decreases pain. It reduces stress hormones. Um, it relaxes our muscles. Literally, having fun um, has a positive impact on your cardiovascular system. So it, 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 it's the whole gamut. So, yeah. So I was going to say about having, having fun that there's sometimes a conflict, um, I, probably in, in all of us, where you hear the news and, you know, it's quite grim out there. I think um, I, was, um, I listened to LBC and mm-hmm. somebody had called in either yesterday or today and they were very upset that people were dying and this, her neighbours were having a barbecue and how dare they have a barbecue. And in this season, it's very hard. I, I, not, not very hard. I don't want to say it's very hard because I, I don't know. But it, they, they, there's probably a conflict. I certainly feel a conflict sometimes when, you know, in our garden, we're sort of doing a Zumba class and we're posting it on Facebook or whatever, in inverted commas, exercising, having fun, when perhaps other people, or you post it on your WhatsApp group, you know, you joke on a WhatsApp group and somebody else is saying, oh, something happened to my uncle. So there, there's a bit of a conflict in this season with so much sadness to be having fun. I, the, I think you're right. There, there, there is a conflict, isn't there? And we, we can't get away from it. I'm, I'm reminded, I'm going to just, a portion that I really like in the Bible. And again, I'm, I acknowledge the fact that not everybody has a faith, but in Ecclesiastes 3, that it talks about there's a time for everything. The time to live, there's a time to die, there's a time to rejoice, there's a time to refrain from rejoicing. And it is a conundrum, isn't it? That the reality is, is that in this, ter- this really challenging season, um, there are going to be some people who seemingly are going through this period completely unscathed. And then there are other people who have lost loved ones or multiple loved ones. And I suppose it's about being sensitive to where everyone is while at the same time we still do need to look after our mental health. You get what I mean? So I, I completely understand that if you've had a bereavement, your the fun is probably the last thing on your mind. Um, but again, when I'm listing all these coping strategies, it's it's kind of like a, a, um, a toolbox. You have to take out the different ones and use them at different times. So yeah. maybe if you've had a bereavement, maybe the, the top thing on your list will be trying to make sure you have a good night's sleep and eating properly. Mm-hmm. And fun, however you want to describe it, is something that will come much later down. Mm-hmm. And it's not realistic to think that, you know, I, I remember um, when my, my foster dad died. I mean, my foster dad died 18 years ago. And it was interesting, but not ha-ha, in the anniversary because he died on the 13th of April. I went back in time to the, the moment I got called that he'd had a stroke to the moment 
when I was flustered and I was trying to get myself to the hospital to the moment when I saw him in that condition to, 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 to the moment when I didn't get to the hospital on time. So when I got the last call about, you've got to get to the hospital now. And he was in South End and I got there maybe a few minutes after he finally passed. I went all the way back 18 years ago and I was crying like a baby. So yeah, um, it's not an easy time. And so these are kind of like almost like the toolbox and you have to bring out the different tools at different times. But it's important that we do try and okay. look after our mental health in whichever way we can. Okay. Wow. 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 I'm just sitting here. Anything more. Just thinking, wow. You was right, babe. She's amazing. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, and, and I don't know how many hours we've done now. This is definitely over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> We're not letting you go yet. We're not. <laughs> oh, I'm just thinking of another strategy if there's time to talk about. There are a couple more, you know, and they're basic ones. So if it's okay. Yes. Uh, the next one is manage your time wisely. So I think we've all alluded to it that, you know, COVID came and we were like skittles. We all got knocked for six you know, all fall down. I was thinking of this song from the 80s, but I'm not going to practice my singing on anybody tonight. And it's it's really, the way I can describe it, speaking to one of my patients last week on the phone, and he said, you know what, doctor, I've just been slobbing around. That you know, sometimes I can't even be bothered to, you know, get out of my PJs. And I could really identify with that. And I'm sure that many of us could, but what I also could detect in his voice, because I was talking to him over the phone, was that he sounded a bit flat. And so we had a bit of a conversation about how I was trying to say that I completely get it. It's a natural reaction. I'm sure most of us have had those days where we're just slobbing out and doing not very much. But then I had to try and encourage him that I thought it was really important for him because I could hear the flatness in his voice about trying to get some structure to his day. You know, and it, 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 it probably, if you're, at home at the moment, it may not be mega, but it's maybe just determining that I'll get out of bed at a certain time. I will go and have a shower and brush my teeth and put some makeup on if I can. Um, I will make sure that I'm having my three square meals a day or, you know, however you eat regularly. Um, I will have a particular time when I exercise, even if I don't feel like it. Um, I will, you know, set aside time to maybe read a book or listen to music. I will set a specific time in the day to go for a walk. And those things, you know, small as they may seem, just give you a sense of normality. And they're actually really good for your mental health. And because what you don't want is for all days, some, 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 somebody, I saw something, um, somebody sent a clip to me last night and it was a play on, um, um, he wants to be a millionaire. And it said, what day is it? And they put, somebody put, and the answers was Tuesday, Saturday, 1982 or something. And I don't know. And the person clicked, I don't know. And the danger of this, this season is that, you know, one day just seems to merge into another and it's all mm, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like pretty basic. And, and, but again, it's really difficult, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm working during the week. So in the week for me, week is, normal but even just being at home Saturday Sunday I don't know I'm going to be honest I did lots of slobbing around this weekend and 
I, you know, prescribing this medicine for everybody, but I wasn't doing it myself. I, I, I stayed in bed most of Sunday, you know, and maybe that was okay because, again, I was hitting the ground running on Monday, but... Busy week, yeah. With a week doing that, mm, yeah, probably your mood will start dropping. So I'm sitting here now and I'm, I'm cramming. Babe, do you know the word cramming? When I say yeah. I'm cramming. You've got an exam. You've got an exam tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You've got um, a life assessment. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where, where did we start sleeping I'm trying to cram everything in my head <laughs> we oh. said sleep and then we spoke about exercise and then we spoke about um, a balanced diet yeah. and then we spoke about having fun if you can and we, we will balance about you know depending on where you are on the spectrum. And we talked about the fact it's a toolbox, so you won't use all the tools at the same time. Yeah. And clearly, if you just had a bereavement, you're not going to be having fun. We know we know that. And maybe the, 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 the thing would be to aim to eat properly or get a good night's rest, you know. Um, but at the same time, if one is, can I say, lucky not to have been taught by a bereavement at this point in time, then it is good that you kind of do the things to look after your mental health. Not least so that you can go out and support somebody else. Because yeah. the next thing I want to talk about is support networks. Um, one of the things I found on my own journey, and I've used it over and over again, and I stumbled on it almost by accident, is about the benefits to one's own mental well-being by going out and being an answer to somebody else's um, dilemma. You know, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. You know, Maybe if you're the person who's blessed and you're still working so you have a regular income, just identifying one person that you can buy them a small bag of groceries will make all the difference. Um, it could be just being at the... I, I have been totally blessed by people, some people that I've not been in touch with for youngs, who have not been sending me the, the, the chain mail, which sometimes can be quite thoughtful, but people actually write in, and it's nothing long, two, three sentences, Shade. Um, I thought of you. I know you're working on the front line. I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. I wanted to check in with you that you're okay. I've actually been overwhelmed. I don't want to get emotional, but, you know, some people have been not in contact with them for so long or just had fleeting contact with them over, you know, maybe professionally or something, and they're checking. I've got so many messages, you know, and it, it means a lot. It, it, you know, you're waking up in the morning and you're going now. And it's, it, for me, it's been really encouraging to think, okay, somebody somewhere is thinking about me. Mm. I matter to somebody, you know. Um, and as, as Natasha said, some people are really lonely. You know, who's that person that maybe doesn't have a, a family support or something? It, it makes all the difference. So just before we came on, a little while, somebody was talking to me about a book they'd read, and I've forgotten the name of the book. But the person spoke about the power of um, a support network. But this, I've, I've forgotten the name of the book, but this person apparently was in prison for 30 years and um, he was wrongly convicted. And what kept, one of the things that kept him going over 30 years was well, he had this friend who used to visit him in prison every single week for 30 years. I mean, the first thing was I thought to myself, I, I'm not sure I, I would know how to be such a good friend. Mm. But the power of hope and the power of support so, yeah, whoever you are, if you're listening to this and maybe life has, feels really uh, at the moment, um, I, I found it to work. Sometimes um, one of the ways to, to kind of get in and out of the pit is to focus on somebody else for a little while. 
and take your mind off self. Give somebody else some support. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm nodding because um, again today in the meditation that I was doing, um, Oprah was was saying that that she she'd learned that um, rather than going out, that if you want to be successful, be of service. Yeah. Um, so your business would grow to be if you're not looking for success and fame, but instead you're looking to be of service to provide a service then you grow. And, um, yeah. and you know, I, I thought about that to say, so you start off a business and you want to be successful, but really what you should be looking for is what you're giving back and then your business becomes yeah. successful. I, I heard somebody say in, yeah, the same kind of terms, be a solution to somebody's problem. So starting a business, as you said, if the focus is about making money, well, you might be successful, but you might not. But that if you identify a problem and then you and and your aim of setting up is to solve it, you know, you're always going to be successful. And when I, I heard somebody say that if you are uh, have the ability to um bring a solution to a problem, the money follows. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you find a niche area where nobody else is doing it. It's quite interesting, not that I do this for money. Um, but I remember, if you remember at the beginning when I was talking to you and I was saying that when I decided I wanted to go into psychiatry, it wasn't sexy, it wasn't popular, nobody was talking about it. I was probably 30 years ahead of the game kind of thing. And suddenly, but not ha-ha, it's a conversation that everybody's having. And I say it not during COVID, of course, but sometimes when I'm joking and I haven't been joking about COVID or anything, but I remember saying, me and my colleagues would say, well, we're never going to be out of business. We're just never going to be out of business because, you know, life is so pressured um, that there's always going to be a need for people who have some kind of expertise in mental health. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just buttressing what you said about, you know, um, but yeah, going back to that thing, there's something about taking your eyes off self. You know, where inherently people can be inherently selfish and it can be me, myself and I. Yeah. But I have really, really found that one of the ways to get yourself out of a pit is actually to take your focus off self and try and be the answer to somebody else's problem. And I would definitely recommend it in this in 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 in, in this season. Wow. Wow. Again, we've got these expressions, babe. We're just nodding like uh, like lizards. I've seen those lizards uh, back in Africa. We have these lizards and they just nod. We're just like nodding. <laughs> no one can see us nodding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I've got this thing. We, you know, we, we touched on it earlier about um, appraising. And again, I'm very mindful that some of the people listening don't have a faith. I'm not trying to knock anybody over their head with a Bible or anything like that. But there is a principle. There's a prayer that I I love because there's a principle, there's some wisdom, some practical wisdom. And it says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Now, that can be difficult. And that's part of the appraisal because there's some things that for whatever reason, we can't change them. Um, it says, courage change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, I've heard that prayer before. And it's, it's, not, it's not biblical though, so that would apply to, to all faiths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, think, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. I mean, 
sometimes there were things going on for us, and I'm not just limit, I'm not limiting it to COVID, where actually um, we, we've 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 not we, for whatever reason we've not addressed the issues. So I'm going to go on memory lane now to in my marriage and domestic violence. I mean, you were one of my lifesavers, and I know you probably don't want it out there, but I'm going to say it. You know what I mean? The reason why I'm here today, the reason why I can be on this podcast is because when the rubber hit the road, there were certain people who, they had their own issues going on, but they kind of parked them and they came alongside and they supported me and and, and my girls. And I owe those, a small group of people, my life, you included. You helped me look after my kids so I could study and get back into medical practice. You gave me a car. You didn't have to. There were people in my there were people in my family, you know. Um, there were people who had known me longer, who didn't do anything, and nobody owes anybody an obligation. But you're one of the reasons why I'm still sane. You're one of the reasons why I didn't lose my mind completely. You're one of the reasons why I've got two daughters somewhere in the house somewhere who are well balanced. Um, and the domestic violence thing—it was really difficult to get out of it. The marriage had gone on forever and it was totally, totally abusive. But there were two women who kind of got it and came alongside me and gave me the courage to leave. And then there were a couple of people like you who gave me the courage to stay out of it, not to go back. Because it's one thing to leave a domestic abuse situation and it's another thing to stay out of it and not to go back. And so when I think about that print, I think about myself. For many years, I didn't even realize that I needed to get out, which is really weird now. But when you're in the middle of it and you're, as Tash said, you know, you're, 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 you're in survival mode and you haven't had time to even step back. And actually, I, I do owe my life to two people who helped me just stop and actually realize that being in survival mode wasn't going it wasn't it it, it it might have been okay for the sprint yeah. but it wasn't going to be okay for the marathon I would not be here without them and then when I came out it was you and one or two other people that helped me stay out so using that really personal example um it it, it no having the courage to change things um sometimes the devil you know is is more scary than the devil you don't know but when I think about abuse, I remember one of my other daughters saying some time back that, Mom, I'm so glad that you found the courage to leave because, Mommy, I wouldn't have any good memories of my childhood. Yeah. And that was such a, such, 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 such a profound statement. Um, and yeah, sometimes to change things, we need courage. Um, but then there's something that we can't change. Yeah. And we need to have that wisdom to know the difference. And for the things that we can't change, then somehow we have to come to terms with them and learn how to live with them. Yeah. Mm. Tash, say something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm just... I've exceeded my expectations, honestly. Yeah. Just everyone needs a Sade, you know. Sorry, we're adopting you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ella, move over. I've got Natasha. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here just speechless at 
so much, um, just so much, um, just quality that you've, that you've given us and, um, you know, your genuineness and your experiences and your vulnerability and your expertise and your practical. It's just, it's everything. It's just like, it's just like watching MasterChef and just, you know, they've just served you up a plate of, you know, just delicious. It looks good. It smells good. It feels good. It's everything. And you just, you're just happy. I'm just happy. Thank you so much. So much, so much. Yeah. I've been on a journey. It wasn't always like this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not everything I want to be. Um, I think that while any of us are still in the land of the living, there's always something to learn. There's always somewhere to grow. I, I'm 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 not what I used to be, but that I know. But I'm still not where I I I, I need to be. That, that, that that's the truth. It's, 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 it's a journey. You know, we've alluded to that so many times. They haven't we? We said it's a process. It's a yeah. journey. It's a race. Yeah. It, this is that what you're seeing, and there's still so much more that needs to shift. But what you're seeing is a very long marathon. Yeah. This is you know you you've known me forever. You've known me since yeah since we were in university so for me and you know Shade when you you sort of each time you sort of mention me I don't know you can see me I literally just feel as I, I feel a little bit of a of a fraud <laughs> to be honest <laughs> because I just want to say you know I, I I went silent for a little while sort of thinking about it and I, I and, and I thought you know what, just just say how you feel because at the time one, you know, you know, Pretty and Princess, you know, and, and Yums, you know, there were three great friends. Yeah. I really didn't do anything because I thought I was doing something amazing or, or, or great. It, was, it just, it just happened naturally. And anytime you say that, I, I do feel a little bit, of, a little bit of a fraud. And the other thing I do want to say though, is that I'll just throw this out there that when you know, like you, you mentioned, you know, I, I got involved in Pretty and Princess and, you know, they're yeah. much a part of my life. Mm. The time any, you, you've been of service to, to someone, I do believe that the universe is watching, you know, yeah. it's watching. And for me, I've probably got whatever it, little I did, I've yeah. put it two billion times for, for in, back yeah. in all different ways. So... I guess it's, it's a little bit fraudulent of me to sit here and I think that, oh, what's that you, Elo? <laughs> no, but I'm going to flip it another way and say that um, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm talking to you, I'm in my bedroom and I'm looking at a chest of drawers and, um, you know, um, I can't see the nails or whatever, but I know that the chest of drawers I'm looking at is held together with glue and nails. And, you know, you can imagine if one of the nails goes missing, the drawer will probably not swing the way. Sometimes the the things that we think are little are actually really profound. The, the reality was that it was you and I think one other person that used to help me look after the girls, which had allowed me to study for my exams. Now, remember, I studied my medicine in Nigeria. So even though I was British born, I still had to do conversion exams. The reason why I can sit here today and it's not about the degrees. It's about service, as you said. But without getting through that first hoop, the rest wouldn't have been history. And although it was small for you, I was, I was broke, basically. So 
I didn't, I couldn't, you know, I already had an au pair, I think at one point to help me while I was not working in medicine residential. I couldn't have afforded on top of that to start paying anybody to look after the kids. You know what I mean? But I needed to have time. You know, I love my children. They weren't a burden, but you know, when you're studying for medical exams, you need to be able to put your head down and you can't really do it when there are kids around and whatever. And so you might have thought it was something small, but it was major for me. I always tell people, I say, look, if, if, if somebody, you know, somebody might be dismissive of a pound, but you know what? You know the value of a pound when you don't have a pound and you need a pound. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Babe, say something. <laughs> no, you say something. <laughs> okay. Okay, Sade. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, Sade. I'm on Sade's side on this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been this has been amazing. I I'm, I I I'm so curious to see how much time we spend um, on you know on this, and um, I don't think we've uh, there's been a minute um, of of any of the time we spend that's been that's been wasted, apart from me cracking the stupid jokes, of course, <laughs> which is normal. Um, so. Um, yeah, round us up, babe. Go on, say something to round us up. To round, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just lost for words. I mean, I, I hopefully you, you know, Sade, thank you again, again. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on. I think everything you've shared with us, um, everyone will take something, if not everything that that you've shared with us, and. Um, Please, will you come back? I don't think we've finished. We've finished yet, have we? I think we wanted to. We wanted to talk about thriving. Um, you know, for for you know, for our listeners that are in you know survival acceptance or or thriving mode, we we want to see you know how we can look to make the most of this time and um, and 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 begin to hopefully look towards the look towards the future. So yeah. Will you come back? Yeah, I'd love to come back. I think we we went to some deep places and suddenly I'm feeling very thoughtful and reflective. But yeah, I'd like to come back. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no. um, Yeah, I want to say something, but I'm just going to be quiet. I think we've lost Ella, I think. Don't <laughs> be reflective. Elo is like Elo's lost. Elo is. You know. I, I am, and, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself. You know, I'm, I'm going to say something really silly that is not. You know, you know, you know how you, you we, we want to come to an end, but we, we don't want to come to an end. And I'm supposed to say, Elo, don't say anything stupid now. Just- <laughs> <laughs> put the mic down, babe. Just put the mic down. <laughs> <laughs> That's a woman. 